Welcome. I am so excited to be here today because today is the third Sunday of Advent. And I, when we were planning who was going to speak on which Advent Sundays, I fought for this day so hard. I wanted this day more than any of the other Sundays because today is Joy Sunday. And it's an exciting day because in the Roman Catholic Church and some liturgical Protestant churches, they refer to today as Gaudete Sunday, which literally just means Rejoice Sunday or Joy Sunday. And you might have noticed that in our Advent reading today, we lit the pink candle. So there's three purple ones, one pink one, and then the center one, which is the Christ candle, and it's white. And if you're new to the church, you might think that they just ran out of purple candles and put a pink one. And that is a very fair assumption, okay? But uh, we light a pink candle on purpose, believe it or not. And so that is what I'm going to tell you about today. A little mini history lesson, because who would I be if I didn't tell you a little church history, right? So on Gaudete Sunday, or Joy Sunday, the church historically celebrates by decorating with pink, or more specifically, rose. And there are a lot of unsubstantiated claims about why we do this, but I'm going to tell you kind of the general story of what we think it was. So a long time ago in the church, that we they were not allowed to decorate with flowers or wreaths of any kind. It was very strict about what they were allowed to decorate with because they didn't want to appear too extravagant. All right. And so, but one Sunday, so Gaudete, which is what today is, has a sister Sunday in the Easter season. All right. So it's when they talk about joy in the Easter season. So they're two, they're basically the same Sunday in the Roman Catholic church, but it's a sister Sunday. And on that Sunday, a very long time ago, one of two things happened, or maybe a mystery third thing that we don't know, but it's probably one of these two things. A church leader was walking through the streets on this day, and a flower gave this church leader a pink rose, and it signified joy and life, and the, the leader was so overcome with joy and appreciation for this child that they started decorating with pink, and pastors would wear pink, and they would put pink flowers everywhere. Another idea is that there was a time of hardship in the church and the people were going through a really tough time. And so to bring some life and joy back into the church, they decided to decorate for Joy Sunday, specifically on the day where we talked about the goodness and the joy of the Lord. So whichever way you look at it, these two Sundays, uh, both in the Christmas season and in the Easter season, churches are filled with pink flowers and priests or pastors wore rose-colored clothing to honor the day. And that's why I am wearing pink today and why we lit the pink candle. Because on Gaudete, we wear pink. So that's your history lesson for today. And joy is what we're talking about, obviously, right? So let's really quick talk about what is joy. It's one of those things that's hard to define. It's more than just an emotion, it's greater than happiness. It can exist alongside really good things or really bad things. But if I were tried to define joy in my own words, it would be joy is a lasting state of being, of thankfulness and delight. All right? And that's just my personal opinion. And I'm going to tell you another one of my personal opinions. All right? This is not biblical fact. Uh, this is just what I think personally. Uh, joy is one of God's favorite gifts to us in this season. 
Joy is one of God's favorite gifts in this season, and I'll tell you why I think this, right? First of all, joy is a gift, all right? So if you don't think that joy is a gift, it is. Jesus brought a gift. When we talk about Advent, we talk about Jesus bringing not only himself as our Messiah or Savior, but he also brought us hope, peace, joy, and love, which are the themes of Advent. Which makes the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit the ultimate best gift givers of all time. Because how can you just give billions of people hope, peace, joy, and love, right? But among these four gifts, I like to think that joy is one of God's favorites. Because if there was anything that God likes to do, it's party. He likes to celebrate, okay? If you look at the Bible, great times of joy were also times of great celebration. And it's really hard to separate true joy and celebration. Because celebration is our expression of joy. And God designed us to celebrate. In the Old Testament, when thousands of years ago, when God gave the law to Moses, he made three mandatory feasts, which were celebrations or parties, which lasted anywhere from one whole day, which is a really long party. One whole day is a long party, in my opinion. So that's the minimum that they would last, all the way up to eight whole days. That is a long party. And there would be music, readings, food, wine, art, decorations, and a general time of joy and celebration for us to all remember the good things that God has done. And they were mandatory. If you were here last year when I spoke at Advent, you might remember the story at the end of the Old Testament about Ezra and Nehemiah. And when they finally got the people of God to turn back to the word as they were rebuilding the temple and the city of Jerusalem, they threw a big party, right? Because they had come back to the word of God. And it's in the New Testament too. Jesus loved parties. His first miracle was at a wedding reception. He turned water into wine so that the celebrations could continue in the community. He's always hanging out at other people's houses. He's mentioned to be talking and laughing in big groups in people's homes. And then the early church did the same thing. They used Jesus as a model, and they started celebrating all together. And if celebration was such a priority to God, I think that means that God loves a good party. He loves the gift of joy. So in the spirit of all that, I decorated. I wore pink. I have balloons, I have party like bags, right? I have pink flowers. And this whole day I planned this message of joy, right? And it was going to be the same day as the Christmas breakfast and the youth Christmas party is going to be such a fun Christmas day. And then we as a church went on to have maybe one of the worst three weeks I think that we have all had in a while. We've lost many loved ones this week. We have many people who are sick, many people who are currently in the hospital. We have mental health struggles. We have a lot of division among us. Many families this week are reflecting on times where they've lost a loved one in this season. And to top it all off, our mail was stolen this week. (laughs) All right? We are having a hard time. Our decorations are up. We're here to celebrate something. We're supposed to celebrate something. But none of us are in the mindset to party. And I'm here looking at my sermon this week. 
And I'm saying, how do I look at a congregation who is going through some significant struggles and tell them to be joyful? (laughs) And God just started working on something in my life and working on something in this message. And he started showing me a lot about what the joy of the Lord looks like in the midst of struggle and sorrow. And I want to say, if you're here this morning filled with more sorrow than joy, I see you. And I'm so thankful that you're here. I believe that God has something important to remind you today. And my prayer is that I can communicate that clearly. And I hope that you feel a little less alone today. Because sorrow is isolating. But joy is communal, right? So before we get into it, let's pray. So bow your heads and pray with me. God, thank you for today. Thank you for being the most wonderful gift giver. I'd like to pray over all the people in this congregation who are struggling today, who are experiencing sorrow. I pray that you will be with all of us. I pray that you will touch our hearts. I pray that you'll be with me as I bring the word, God. And I pray that you'll restore us all back to who you've created us to be. Thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So today we're going to be in both the Old Testament and the New Testament today. We're going to be in the early days of the exile. So if you were with us this summer, you might remember that this is when Babylon took over the southern tribe of Judah, right at the beginning of the exile. And during this time is when we get stories like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We get stories of Daniel in the lion's den. Um, All of those exile stories are around this time. But we're going to be reading out the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was a prophet who foretold the exile and then also prophesied through the exile. This book is a mix of his stories and prophecies and poems. And a scribe put them all together. So it's a little bit of a patchwork of a book. But it's really dark, all right? There are stories of oppression, kidnapping, death, and all the terrifying times that happened at the beginning of the exile. The tribe of Judah doesn't have a leader. They are spread out into new lands. They might be separated from friends and family. And they were so isolated from what they knew. The first 29 chapters of this book tell a very sad story. And it left a lot of people of the day asking, are we ever going to make it out of this darkness? And maybe you're this way now, right? Maybe you are asking this question now. Am I ever going to make it out of this darkness? But God sees the hurt that these people have. Whether it was a result of their own actions or if they were just a victim of circumstances around them, he sees them and cares about them. And in chapter 30, he starts to speak through Jeremiah these words of hope. We're going to read it together. Jeremiah 30, verses 18 through 22, if you're following along. So it says, this is what the Lord says. Behold, I will restore the fortunes of the tents of Jacob and have compassion on his dwellings. And the city will be rebuilt on its ruins and the palace will stand on its rightful place. From them will come a song of thanksgiving and the voices of those who celebrate. And I will multiply them and they will not decrease. I will honor them and they will not be insignificant. Their children will also be as before and their congregation will be established before me. 
and I will punish all their oppressors. Their leader shall be one of them, and their ruler will come out of their midst, and I will bring him near, and he shall approach me. For who would dare to risk his life to approach me, declares the Lord. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. This is what we call a messianic prophecy, which means it is a word from God that is speaking or foretelling the Messiah, which is Jesus. And the Messiah, or Jesus, is coming to bring compassion. Here we read, the Messiah is coming to lead us out of darkness. The Messiah is coming to acknowledge our significance in the kingdom, as well as his own. The Messiah is coming to lift up new generations of leaders. And the Messiah is coming so that we might celebrate and rejoice again. These words did not take the people of Judah out of suffering. But it did one thing. It spoke a message of hope, of joy, of peace, and love. And how one day there will be a king that brings us all of that. So right now, you might not have joy. But you will again one day. And before we go any further, if you are not in the space where you can celebrate right now, that's okay. But I want to remind you that joy is a gift that we have received. And you will find joy again. And in the meantime, God is with you with compassion and love and comfort. And that's what's so cool about Christmas. Yes, the first Christmas, Jesus brought joy to a joyless place. But today, in 2023, he can also restore your joy in your life right now. It is his gift to you. And you can leave knowing that this gift is something that can be accessed in the midst of deep sorrow. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Even the hope of joy or the promise of joy is enough to lean on, right? Like I said, best gift ever. So we've talked about God the Father who gave us the gift of establishing times of joy and celebration from the beginning of time. We've talked about the Messiah, the Son, or Jesus, who has gifted us by restoring us to that joy now and forever. But Holy Spirit is not to be outdone in the gift-giving department, you guys. We have been told that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And this alone is a whole sermon in and of itself, all right? But this is the gist of what the fruits of the Spirit are. The fruits are things that can be cultivated or grown in our life with the help of the Spirit. So just like a plant that bears fruit, they need water, they need sunlight, they need good soil, and they need consistent exposure to those things in order to be fruitful. So the fruits of the Spirit in our life are things that can grow in us if we have consistent exposure to the Holy Spirit. All right? So I have good news for you. If you're here and you're short on joy, you can cultivate it. You can grow it. And it's a promise. If you're intentional about it, it will grow in your life. So how do we do this? How do we cultivate this joy in our lives? Well, in Jeremiah, where we were told, from them will come a song of thanksgiving and the voices of those who celebrate. So let's go to a passage in the New Testament that mirrors this passage here in Jeremiah, but it's written in the context of the father 
the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's written after Pentecost, so they have the full picture of what we're going to be experiencing today here, right now in 2023. So this is from Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. And it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So then the next one, it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whether you have learned or received from, whether you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. If you want to know how to cultivate hope and joy and peace and love in your life, start here. Paul makes himself very clear that we have so much to rejoice about. We have so much to be thankful for. And what's beautiful about the Bible is that both in Jeremiah and in Philippians, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, celebration, rejoicing, and joy are all a result of an outpouring of thanksgiving. Paul says that if we think about all of the wonderful things in our lives, we will see the Holy Spirit Spirit cultivate the fruit of joy in our lives. And I'm not kidding. I want you to make a list of all of the things you love. Make a list of people you're thankful for. Make a list of memories you're thankful for. Make a list of food you're thankful for. All right? I know that there are some times where the place that I find joy is at the bottom of a great cup of coffee. All right? You don't have to have big things or big memories in your life in order to feel thankful. If you only have little things, that's okay. Because it says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The little things count. The cup of coffee counts and it always has. So what's the bottom line here? There are a couple of things I want you to take away from today. The first is this. Joy is a gift that you have received. It's not something that you have to achieve. In our culture, there's this idea of being a party pooper, right? Or or not matching the vibe. But that stigma was not designed for the church. We are told to mourn with those who mourn. And rejoice with those who rejoice. We can hold room for both at the same time. So if you're here and you need some time to mourn, we will mourn with you. And if you are here and you have something you want to celebrate, we will do that too. That's the beauty of the church. So if the ushers and the band will come forward, um, I have a little bit left to go, but I want to give you some things. So the second thing I want you to take away from today is that joy is a gift that all believers in Jesus have received. And even if you are not in a space where you feel like you can fully experience joy, I promise that joy is never far from you. You will experience the fullness of joy again. One per person. 
So you might experience this joy after a time of healing, after a reconciliation with a broken relationship, the arrival of a new family member, during a time of rest after a busy season. Maybe it's when your baby finally sleeps through the night. Or yes, even at the bottom of a good cup of coffee. See, I am a much worse gift giver than the divine trinity, and I'm okay with that, all right? But I do want to give you a gift, and that's a little bag of confetti. Something I want you to take away today, uh, literally take away with you today, because you can't celebrate without confetti. I want you to keep this in your car or in your wallet or in your purse or somewhere close. I want this to be used. When you have something to celebrate or rejoice or be thankful for, throw this confetti around and celebrate. Like, I actually want you to throw the confetti. It's okay to be a little silly, all right? When you are thinking about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is good or praiseworthy, celebrate. Cultivate that joy in your life through celebration and thanksgiving. But if you're in a season where you aren't ready to throw it for a while, that's okay. I want you to keep it as a reminder that one day you will be ready to throw the confetti again. God will restore the joy in your life. Your time is coming and it's near. And we will be with you the whole way while you're on that journey. But when it's time to celebrate, not only can you celebrate whatever's around you, but you can celebrate how far God has come to restore you back to the joy that you were designed for. I'll keep extras in the lobby so we can always have some on hand to celebrate and rejoice if we need to. See, a time of rejoicing is never far from us. So we need to be ready for when, it, when, it's, ready, when it's time. I could not be more thankful for the opportunities I have and I will continue to have with all of you. So let's pray. And as I'm praying, you can t- continue to pass out the confetti and we'll enter into a time of worship and celebration together. So bow your heads and pray with me. God, thank you for today. Thank you for parties. Thank you for confetti. Thank you for times of joy and celebration. God, even if we're not in that moment right now, I praise you and thank you that we know that time is near. Thank you for the gift that we have already received of hope and peace and joy and love. I pray that you will continue to restore us to the gift that you've given us every day. I pray that you will wrap your arms around us and comfort us when we need it. And I pray you will throw your hands up and celebrate with us when we're ready. We love you so much and we'll give you all of the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.